Collective. This is Nina, your host of the Collective Culture Podcast. Welcome or welcome back if you are joining me again. Thank you for joining me again. Thank you so much. I am just pouring out with gratitude for all of my continued listeners. And I've gotten so many new ones here lately too. So thank you guys so much. Um, I can't do this without you. So, And I would want to. So thank you so much. And also, before I get into this episode, thank you to my past uh, guests that I had on. Beautiful souls, beautiful women who are you know, just trying to do the same thing I am, trying to help people and talk about things that need, need to be talked about, you know, um, and I'm just so grateful that they exist. Um, so thank you to both of you and I hope you guys enjoyed those episodes. Uh, unfortunately it's just going to be me today. (laughs) Um, but I will be having more guests on in the future and the two ladies that I just had on will be returning too. So today, um, today is my father's 64th birthday. He would have been 64 today. So happy birthday, dad. I miss you so much. And, um, I was gonna kind of talk about my dad today on the podcast, but for some reason I feel very guided to talk about something else. So, um, I will talk about my dad because he has experienced this too. So disclaimer, if you are under the age of 18, please stop listening now um, because I am going to be talking about drug, drugs and drug use. So um, yeah, so let's get into this. Um, hmm, where do I even start? <laughs> Well, I'll start with my dad since it's his birthday and um, he would kill me if he was alive and heard this because this wouldn't be something he would want me to talk about. But I'm going to be real on here, guys, always. And I think this is something that I should share and I should talk about because it's been a big part of my life, but it's also a big part of mental health and addiction. And I've dealt with no addictions on my own, um, necessarily with drugs, but I've had loved ones in my life who've dealt with it. And, um, my dad didn't have a drug addiction, but he was, I guess, unknowingly the first person in my life to introduce me to it. And he didn't give me drugs, guys. Let me finish, okay? (laughs) Before you start freaking out. Uh, when I was little, my dad had this best friend and, um, He had uh, two younger boys, and I would go to their house, and we would play. And my dad would, you know, we were old enough to be left alone to play. And my dad would, you know, go away with his friend and come back and would be very happy, (laughs) you know, laughing and just in a very different mood than he was before we got there. (laughs) And um, I didn't know it at the time. I mean, I, you know, I smelled smoke and uh whatever but um you know he was obviously smoking marijuana and I didn't know that then I didn't know that was even a thing you know um but when I got older I I was like wow my dad was totally doing that (laughs) you know my dad grew up in the 70s so you know he he dabbled you know in his in his years in his teenage years (laughs) um with his friends and stuff and 
you know, as we all do, well, not all of us, um, but many, especially back in the 70s and 60s, that's what they did, you know? Um, But fast forward um, to me being at a very young age, which I do not promote. And I am not saying this is a good thing. And if I could do it all over again, a part of me says I wouldn't do it, but then a part of me is, I, I don't regret it because I had a lot of fun. And, um, but that being said, it's anything, marijuana, any drug. And well, you know, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to say that marijuana is a drug, but, um, anything that alters your state of mind, I guess, um, really needs to be consumed by an adult. And I only say that because, you know, you're very vulnerable and, you know, your brain isn't even fully developed in your, in your teenage years. So, and a big portion of your twenties too, the first half of your twenties, your brain isn't fully developed. So, you really shouldn't be altering your state of mind. You shouldn't be drinking alcohol. You shouldn't be doing any of those things. And let's, you know, give give me, let's be clear, okay? I was not a bad kid. Um, I was influenced, you know, but I also was very cautious when I was a kid. And um, when I was 15, Um, So it starts there, pretty much. When I was 15, I, um, I I had smoked marijuana a few times. Where I grew up and back then, marijuana wasn't, uh, legal. (laughs) And it wasn't, um, it wasn't what it is now, I'll say that. Um, it wasn't as strong, I'll put it that way. But it wasn't my thing. It made me very paranoid and it made me very sleepy and, um... It just, you know, it wasn't something that I gravitated towards um, with who I was at that age. And so I didn't do it again for for a very long time. And then I made friends. I had these friends. um, And uh, we we did a lot of dumb shit. Um, You know, we we partied. And uh, there was drug use. And... um, I don't know why I'm beating around the bush bush here, but it's, it's just because it's so, you know, it's like talking about sex, you know, people just, they're so close-minded to the shit, and, you know, it's, it's something that people are so nervous about talking about, and just so you guys understand, I don't do any drugs now, and I haven't for a very long time. I think I partied myself out when I was younger, and scared myself a couple times and friends of mine have scared me a few times to kind of I got to a point when I got older where I was like you know what I like being sober you know I like the occasional drink here and there I like the occasional you know joint here and there but to be quite honest with you I realize I like being sober I very much enjoy being in control and um, I don't want to go too much off of you know the beginning of where I was getting to when I was younger, but, um, I kind of realized later on in life why it wasn't, why it didn't kind of mesh with me very well, mostly psychedelics. Um, and I'll get to that in a minute, but anyway, when I was 15, I, 
I tripped on LSD for the first time and um, took way more than I should have and um, spiraled out of control. I had a very bad trip and was very scared. And even though I was with people that I loved and that I trusted, my friends, it was still so intense for my brain at 15 or just in general, me, to do that kind of um, substance and to do so much of it, it, it was not uh, fun. It wasn't fun at all. There were, there were aspects of it that were enjoyable, I guess, but they didn't last very long. And if any of you have ever tripped acid, it, you're gonna, you know that you're gonna be tripping for hours upon hours. And, um, you know, I did it one weekend with friends and then, you know, pretty much told myself I'm never doing this again and, uh, freaked myself out, hardcore freaked myself out to where I didn't want to do it again. And I did it again. (laughs) Um, I did it again. Now, mind you, in the period of doing it the first time to the next time I did it again, I did other things. So I uh, dabbled in obituates. I dabbled in Xanax and um, I guess downers, if you will, um, Klonopin, uh, nerve pills, mostly. A uh, few uppers, a few lure tabs here and there, a few Oxycontins here and there, but I didn't like the way they make me feel. They, you know, they just made my heart race and made me itch and it just, it just wasn't my thing, you know. I was, um, I was way more into the, um, to Xanax. Like, that was, like, my thing. And I think it was because when I was 15, I was 15, 16, 17, I was struggling really bad with self-esteem. I was struggling really bad with anger issues and I think it just stemmed from the way I grew up and not really having my mom around and um my dad you know even though he's he was a great dad he was very negative a lot of the time and it it definitely you know came on to me a lot I got a lot of it from him and so when I would do a Xanax and when I would take a Xanax I wouldn't feel any of that I was I was kind of like on autopilot and it felt amazing to not give a shit you know like it felt amazing to not care um but again I was too young to understand what it would have done to what it was doing to me what it was going to do to me um that my my young body couldn't handle it and I still did it and I I made that choice nobody forced me to do it I made the choice and yes I was around people who were doing it so yes that's how I got it and that's how I was around it but it was always my choice every drug I've ever done has been my choice and um I've done a lot of them and I'm not I'm not proud of it I'm not doing this episode because I'm proud of it and I'm promoting young kids to do it especially but just in general I'm it's just the decisions I made when I was younger you know and as I got older too um so uh, like I said I did ecstasy I in the time period of doing acid the first time so acid was like my first real drug you know like my first real strong 
um, substance that I take in. And um, so from the time I, I tripped for the first time to the second time, I did an array of things in between that time. And um, I'm so grateful that none of those things killed me or, or paralyzed me or, you know, made me lose brain function, which I'm sure I've lo- lost some brain function from it. But, you know, I've, I was very lucky um, because I've lost friends over drugs over the years. And I've seen how crippling it can be to people in their lives. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm not sharing these stories because I want people to do it. I'm sharing it because it's a real thing that happened to me in my life. And it shouldn't be something that I hide, you know? Um, it should be something that I speak on because, you know, it, all it takes is one person listening to this. One, you know, person who has a, a daughter or a son who's going through this. And I know I said if you're not over the age of 18, you shouldn't listen to this, but maybe I should take that back. Maybe younger kids should listen to this. Because I think one of the ways that we go wrong with our kids is we just tell them it's bad, it's scary. You just shouldn't do it because I said so, you know? When my kid's old enough and he asks me, because my kid is almost 15 years old, he will be in a couple months, and I think about the kid I was at his age and how different we are and I could never imagine doing him doing the things that I did and he wouldn't even think about it it's not even on his radar to do any of those things which I'm so grateful for um but when he does get older and he's at the age where he can understand it and I can I can tell him these stories if he wants to know I will be real with him not because I want to promote it for him to do it but because I want him to know why I don't feel comfortable with him doing it I want him to know that I've done them and I know what they make you feel like and not for everyone you know um but one thing that we me and my son are very similar is our our minds you know we're very um sensitive people and I think that you know the reason I had such a bad trip is because it's just not for me psychedelics acid it's just it's not for everyone um and I like I said I'll get to why I I believe that now in a minute I'll get to that in a minute um so anyways the uh the second time I did psychedelics, it was worse than the first time. And the images that I seen and the, the things that I experienced while I was stripping was scary. And I think it has to, a lot to do, and this is just my opinion, but I think when you take something like that, when you take a, a you know DMT or ayahuasca or you know, LSD or anything, I think that you, you really have to be in uh, control of your mind beforehand. You have to have a very strong mind. Um, and if you don't, I mean, your, your chances of having a bad trip are, you know, 50, 50. And I unfortunately did not have good trips. I did not get any positive, um, experience out of LSD. Um, and I, I did it a few more times after that. And I think the reason I did is because I didn't want it to, I wanted to conquer it, you know, I wanted to, cause I heard all these stories about all these experiences these people had. And I'm like, why can't I, why do I see scary shit? You know, like, why can't I enjoy this? Like my friends are, and it always bothered me. 
And I remember the last time doing it, it was so bad. The, the fear and the things I were experiencing were so bad that I, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Regardless of how much my friends make fun of me or call me weak or whatever, I couldn't do it anymore. My mind was... It was it was going it was running away from me when I wasn't tripping. Like I was having um, psychosis moments and seeing shit when I wasn't even on it, you know. And it was it was scary. I I almost had got to one point where I thought I was going to be on a permanent trip. And um, you know, having a mother who has a severe mental illness that freaked me out, you know, and. I didn't want to trigger some gene I might have. And you know what I mean? Like it just really freaked me out. So I just told myself I would never do it again. And I didn't. I never touched LSD again after that. And I think I was 16. Um, But, um, you know, I made a lot of dumb decisions while doing drugs too. I got into many car wrecks. I wasn't driving, but I got in the car with people who shouldn't have been driving. And I actually had one really bad accident. Um, And I don't know if I shared this on this podcast, but if I did, and you you guys don't want to hear about it again, then just fast forward. But I think I was like 17, 16, 17, something like that. And we were all kind of on something. And my friend who was driving... Um, it was my friend who was driving and the guy that I was dating at the time and we were in his, my friend's Jeep and my friend should not have been driving. He was very much under the influence of quite a few things. (laughs) And, um, we, his Jeep had no doors and I don't know if you guys know about the South, but you know, country boys in the South, we like to drive fast in the dirt and, (laughs) you know, do donuts and you know, just do dumb shit. And, um, we were doing dumb shit in his Jeep and he had no doors, he had no windows, it was just bars and seats and a steering wheel and gas, you know, I mean, like it was just a shell of a Jeep. And from what I remember of this wreck, we, he turned the wheel and the next thing I knew the car was flipping or the Jeep was flipping. And I mean, flipping all the way over. And it, I can't even begin to tell you how many times it flipped. Um, I only remember feeling it once. And then my memory of it is me waking up with a flashlight in my eyes. And I was laying on my back in the field that was next to the road that we were on. And it was a paramedic. And um, just remember like oh, my eyes opening and a light being in my eyes and me trying to sit up really fast and the paramedic telling me no and asking starts asking me all these questions and I'm just like what the fuck happened you know so I apparently got thrown out of the jeep um that's what the the police officer had explained to me that's what he thinks happened oddly enough guys I didn't have one broken bone not a scratch I had mild, or not mild, I had actually pretty severe whiplash, and that's it. I had not even a scratch on me, which is insane. (laughs) Like, somebody was definitely looking out for me. Um, And then 
another accident I had shortly after that one. Um, I had a big span in my teenage years where I had 13 car accidents and they were very close together. So hopefully I have paid my karma on car accidents. <laughs> um, but, and they weren't all horrible like that one, but they were, they were pretty um, eye-opening and terrifying to say the least. And this next one was not as bad as, well, I mean, it was pretty bad. I can't say it was as bad. It was pretty bad. Uh, it was me, another friend of mine was driving and another friend of mine was in the back seat and I was in the passenger seat. And again, my friend should not have been driving. She was under the influence. And we were on a back road, because again, in Alabama, in the south, you just take the back roads all the time so the cops don't pull you over, you know? <laughs> so we were in this back, we were on this back road and we were going very fucking fast. And we were coming up on a 90 degree turn. And I don't know if you guys know what a 90 degree turn is. Look it up if you can't get the reference. It's a very sharp turn. And we were going extremely fast, way too fast to have made that turn. And it, it happened so fast. I, re- I remember telling her to slow down. My friend in the back was telling her to slow down, but it, it just, you know, it just happened so fast that of course she didn't slow down and we went straight. <laughs> and we hit um, an embankment head on. Um, And, um, again, it was like lights out for me. Um, I didn't fly out of the car this time, but my friend who was in the back seat, when we, when we had, when we hit impact, he came flying through the front. And, uh, when we hit the embankment, the airbag hit me in the face. I saw stars. Um, I had bruises on my face from the airbag. When the airbag, um, deflated, and I kind of came to, it was eerily quiet in the car. It, it was so quiet. It was like maybe my my ears were ringing or there was like white noise or something, but I, I really thought I was dead. Like that was how I felt until I looked to the left of me and saw my friend laying from the back seat in the front seat in his face up against the radio. and. I immediately woke up and I realized I wasn't fucking dead and my friend is clearly not okay. And so I'm, I'm like, oh my God. And I'm like trying to get him up and I'm trying to see if he's okay. And the girl driving was fine. Uh, me and her both, we didn't have a scratch. Um, however, my friend from the back seat, he nearly lost his lip. He had hit the dashboard and it split his lip in half all the way down to his chin or not all the way down to his chin it's just split his lip to his chin and it was like dangling off his mouth I mean I know this is like you know TMI and this is gross but like that's how devastating it was and um we were all on a lot of drugs you know we had taken pills we had drank um I think that was one of the reasons why he didn't get more messed up than he was And I believe that's why, I mean, the paramedic told me when I was, uh, when I fell out of the Jeep, when I was thrown out of the Jeep, that me being drunk or whatever I had taken had made me go limp when I hit the ground. 
So it, 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 it basically saved me from breaking anything, which I know sounds crazy, but that's, I mean, a paramedic told me that. So I think that's also what happened with my friend and, you know, his, I mean, his lip obviously was not, but he's okay. Um, you know, he's still alive <laughs> to this day. And so, you know, a lot of bad shit happened, um, during those years that I partaked in drug use and, you know, like I said earlier, I, I, part of me doesn't regret it because yes, I did have fun, but, a, but mostly the part of me that doesn't regret it is because I can now help people with it. You know, like anyone who is thinking about trying it or, you know, wanting to understand what's going on with it or, you know, anything. And, and even the addiction part of it, because I, like I said earlier, I've dealt with that too in my life. Um, my first real interaction with addiction, um, was my son's father. Um, I had been around friends who were quote unquote addicted, but it wasn't, it wasn't apparent to me that that's what they were going through, um, until I met my son's father and, and he had struggled with it for most of his life, um, and when we got together, he was struggling with it. But, you know, obviously, when you first start dating someone, that's not how you want to start things <laughs> because you don't want to scare the person off. So this was something that gradually came to light as our relationship progressed. And it was difficult. That relationship was very difficult. Um, you know, not just because of the addiction. I mean with addiction comes other things too, but I wasn't even in a great place when we were together, when we met, um, you know, very low self-esteem and, um, dealt, dealt with jealousy and, you know, just, just my shadow side, I guess. Um, and I was young. I mean, I met my my son's father when I was 23 or 24, 24. Yeah. Um, 23. I don't know. One of those 23, 24. And so, you know, I was super young and vulnerable and did not have high self-esteem. Didn't have any self-esteem, you know, at all, really. And I met this guy and, you know, we moved really quick. We moved in together after six months and it, it was always challenging. From the beginning, it was challenging. I remember two weeks into our relationship, we were having screaming fights and, you know, throwing shit at each other. Why we moved in together after that, <laughs> your guess is as good as mine. Um, but, and, and like I said, his addiction wasn't the only reason that we weren't, um, that we had a, a very toxic relationship, but that had a big, that played a big role in the toxicity of our relationship. And when I finally realized what was going on with him, it was eye-opening, it was scary, um, you know, because I had dabbled in drugs, but by the time I had met my son's father, I had pretty much quit doing things. You know, I would, I would drink every once in a while, but I had pretty much lived a sober life. I definitely wasn't doing any hard drugs. Um, I wasn't even smoking marijuana when I met him. So when he came into my life, I was, you know, a virgin, if you will, as far as drugs go. Um, again, you know, as a virgin again. So he introduced me to his world 
and because I fell for him so quickly, I, you know, I kind of just put on blinders to his addiction, and it was almost as like, if you can't beat him, join him, you know, when he first told me that he had this problem, that he had this, this addiction, um, and it was to pain pills, um, it scared me because I had never been with anyone who was struggling with anything like that. And, you know, when he first told me, I was like, well, I don't really see that. I don't see you being having a problem because he was a functioning addict. He worked, you know, he had a normal life. He took care of himself. You know, he bathed. He didn't, like, you know, he wasn't a crackhead. Like, there, I didn't realize that he was even struggling with anything like that. And I didn't even know how devastating opiate addiction was at that time, you know, um, until later on in our relationship, honestly, I didn't really know what I was dealing with or what I was about to face. And I hate telling this story for him because it is his story, but I lived through it. So, you know, and I have a, and I have a kid out of it. So I think I have rights to tell this story. Um, it, it was, I, I can't even think of a time where it wasn't a challenge, where his addiction wasn't a challenge to me. Um, it would, you know, he would, he would detox a lot. It, it would be like almost every three days he would be detoxing until he got more. And when he would detox, he would turn into this mean person, um, verbally mean person and just, you know, I mean, it would scare me sometimes because when he would be on the, the, the pain pill, when he would take the pain pill, he would be this sweet person. And so I was like, you know, with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. High, you know, it was like two different personalities that I would get. And it was very scary. Um, and I kept a lot of it to myself because I thought I was in love. You know, I thought like, well, it doesn't matter because I love this person. And, um, you know, I have to take the good with the bad. And like I said, we moved really quickly. And, um, you know, over the years we fought about it a lot. We fought about his addiction a lot because he would be rude to me and I would stand up for myself and then it would enrage him more and we would fight, you know. And it was a lot of back and forth um, because I would never like stand down. I would always stick up for myself and it would just piss him off more. And, um, you know, I would, I would bring up the drug things to him and I, I you know, it was, it's, it's my fault because I just did not understand why he couldn't stop, you know, why we would spend our last dollars on it and why, you know, we, we, we couldn't even have a good night unless he got high you know I mean it was just it was so intense and when I said you know I started to realize well if I can't beat him join him I started to do it with him and it really started in a medical way I had to go to the dentist and I got pain pills from the dentist um and he, he took a lot of them. He, you know, I mean, they'll take anything. So, um, and then I, he was like, we'll take another one and you'll see, you know, like the feeling I get. And I did for, for that first time, I kind of understood why he liked them. You know, I had so much energy and I got so much shit done and 
um, I just felt alive, you know, like I felt like I could run a marathon and even though it had really bad side effects with me sometimes where I would like pass out and I would stop breathing and, um, I would get really sick and I'd get really dizzy and I'd have horrible migraines when I was on it, it would feel amazing, you know? Um, so I, I, you know, partaked in his addiction with him, but it got to a point where we were arguing about it, arguing about, you know, oh my God, you snorted the last line, you know, the Octagon, and it, it scared the shit out of me, and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing, you know, like, what the fuck am I doing, this is not who I am, I am not an addict, I don't have an addictive personality, I don't, I can stop this, you know, and so I did. So I decided just to, I'm not doing this anymore. And it, it was horrible because I had went through a, a mild, I say mild detox. But even as a, as a mild detox, it was horrible. And he's been through so many like really bad detoxes where they were not mild. And, you know, after that, he didn't stop. Um, and you know, there would be nights when I would wake up in the middle of the night and he wouldn't be breathing and I'd have to wake him up. And when that, when that first happened, um, I would wake up constantly. I I would even set an alarm sometimes so that I would wake up to make sure that he was breathing or I would stay awake almost all night to make sure that he didn't stop breathing. And, you know, when his detoxes would get so bad, when he would be like, all right, I'm going to quit. I'm not going to do this anymore. And he would go through the detox. He was like, you know, I got to go through this detox and it's going to suck. So you have to be there for me. And I would, but he would, like I said, he would be so mean to me that, you know, and I was a sensitive person back then and very weak minded and very emotional. Even though I stood up for myself, I was very weak minded. And I would have to, you know, put him in the bathtub because his legs would be hurting him so bad. And it was a lot of time spent crying in, you know, private. I didn't want him to know because if he saw me crying, he'd be like, why the fuck are you always so emotional? You know, he would just lash out on me and he would tell me I was a trigger and I, you know, I enabled him and, you know, so... It was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. So I, I don't I don't ever want this episode to come across as I'm promoting drug use because I'm absolutely not. And after being with a person who had severe addiction, opiate addiction, which I almost feel like opiate and alcoholism is, is probably the worst ones um, from what I experienced. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to put that on anyone I wouldn't want to see anyone go through that and so fast forward um I tried to help in the only way that I knew how which would be figure this out on your own you know why can't he stop well he can't tell you and when he does answer the question he just says because I can't so you need to figure out on your own so I started going to Al-Anon meetings I think I went maybe two three times a week because I needed to understand what I was dealing with and how I could deal with it better and how I could deal with him better and be of 
you know, help to him and not be a quote-unquote trigger. It did help for a while. But what I realized is that it, it, it didn't matter what I did. He needed to want the help in order for it to actually help him, in order for him to change, in order for him to get healthy, for him to get sober. Um, I will tell you guys now, he is actually sober now. Um, and has been for a while, for a long time. So I'm, I'm proud of him. Um, we're not close now, and that's okay. Um, that's what's best for me. It's what's best for him. It's what's best for our son. But um, I am proud of him, and I can say that now, you know. Um, and I don't hate him. I'm not, I don't hold that over him. It was something I signed up for, you know. I, I went into having a kid with him, you know, knowing that this was who I was going to have a kid with and staying with him for six years, knowing what he was going through. So, you know, it's not his fault. He didn't make me stay there. Um, and then when we, even when we split up, a big part of me was afraid to leave him, to not be with him because would he be okay without me? And I got to a point where I held on to that for a long time. And then I, you know, I finally just come to terms with the fact that he is going to have to be okay without me, you know? So, wow, this has been a long episode, uh, but this is, this is a, a big topic, you know, and it goes right along with mental health, which is what I, I think this podcast is kind of revolving around, you know, your mindset and, um, if any of you are struggling with, with drug addiction, um, you know, seek the help. Don't think that you're weak. Don't think you can't. Don't think you're too old. Don't think that you don't have any support because you never know who is willing to help you if you reach out for the help. Um, because like I said, I used to fight with him a lot about drugs, about doing them and lying to me about it. Or, you know, I remember one time we got into a really big argument and I told him, I just don't want you to die. I remember saying that to him. And he left me. He left me. He left the relationship because I was not letting him get high, pretty much. And I, you know, I was so angry at him for that. And now, looking back, I know that that wasn't him. You know, I know that he wouldn't have done that to me if he didn't have that disease. You know, so I don't blame him anymore. I used to. I used to blame him a lot for, for those times, for those experiences that I had with him. The things I had to put up with and go through. And it was a lot, you know. And like I said, I wasn't a saint back then. I definitely had my own shit. <laughs> but, you know, it was... It, a lot of it was reacting to the drug addict, you know. And not trusting the drug addict. Um... But it was also based on how young I was and how impressionable I was and how vulnerable I was and how weak-minded I was that I reacted to things and I overreacted to things. Um, and I did trigger him in a lot of ways, but it's, it was only because I didn't understand what was going on. And anyway, I want to get to the part, to the point of why the psychedelic part, because psychedelics, um, not LSD, okay, not acid, I'm not talking about that, um, did have a positive, um, 
effect on me uh, when I was younger. I did shrooms a few times in my early 20s. And I was very hesitant to do it because I just was scared. You know, I had all, all those bad trips on LSD that I just, I did not want to go through that again. But I was with very trusted people who, you know, assured me, kept me in a very safe place and, uh, you know, didn't let me do too much and, you know, had me in a very safe environment where I was comfortable. And so, you know, I tried it again and it wasn't a bad trip. It wasn't a bad experience. It wasn't something I really want to do, (laughs) um, especially now, but it... I just felt alive. I I don't really know how to explain it other than I felt happy. I felt happy. I didn't feel fucked up. I didn't feel high. I just felt good. I felt tingly, but I felt safe, you know. I saw some things, but they weren't scary. Um... And if you guys want me to go into, like, more about psychedelics and my my experiences with this and, like, things I saw and, like, the scary things I saw, let me know and I'll, I'll do an episode about it. I kind of do want to talk about psychedelics more in the future anyway. But, um, so, like I'm, like I'm saying, psychedelics have their part. And I think it it helps a lot of people get off of opiate addiction and any addiction, honestly. Um, I've seen it. I've, I've, uh, I've had friends who have gotten completely off of drugs from it. Um, you know, doing DMT, I've, I've seen it help, um, people stop drinking, you know, um, really, really deep in their addiction of, of alcoholism too. And I know that it has become legal in a few states. I know Oregon and Colorado, um, and they have centers where they're helping people with depression and mental illness and uh, drug addiction. So it is, it does have its place. Now, why it doesn't have its place with me? (laughs) Um, Like I said, it's not for everyone. And one of the reasons why I believe it's not for me is because I have, I have genetics of severe mental illness in my blood. My mother is um, schizophrenic, um, actually manic depressive schizophrenic. And uh, basically what I have come to, to understand about schizophrenia is the, the best way I can describe it is in, in the way of psychedelics is like my mother's DMT meter, because we all have DMT naturally in our brain. So, but my mother's DMT level is on high, you know, the dials all the way up on hers. And that's just like a, you know, schizophrenia on dummies or from, you know, way of explaining it. But so, um, and I've heard psychiatrists speak about this. Um, so basically if you, if you have genetics, you know, from that, whether it's a parent or a grandparent or whatever, and you, um, you know, you engage in psychedelics, it can have a negative reaction because my DMT level, why I'll, while I don't think it's all the way up, I think it's higher than most. I'll say that. (laughs) So I think I just, you know, pushed the pedal to the metal when I actually took the LSD because I took a, a 
heavy amount of liquid LSD at a, at a very young age too, where my, like I said, my brain wasn't fully developed yet. So I think that had everything to do with why I didn't have a good trip um, and didn't experience, and you know, and LSD is also not clean either, you know, so it's, it's got a lot of shit in it. Um, whereas with shrooms, it doesn't, it's natural. It's, it's grown out of the ground, you know? Um, and I was older when I did the shrooms too. So my mind was, a, my brain was a little bit more developed then, but it was still too intense for me because like I said, while my DMT meter is not all the way up, like my mom's, it's higher, I believe than most because I have that gene, you know, um, and it's something that I worried about when I had my son, um, you know, because they say that schizophrenia and mental disorders like that skip a generation a lot of times. And I was very worried that, um, you know, he might have that gene um, and he probably does in some way. And, you know, I hope that he grows up and he doesn't have any strong mental illnesses. He is on the spectrum and I'm hoping that's the only challenge with his brain that he has and I don't even see it as a challenge but I I hope that it doesn't you know he doesn't get anything else or develop anything else when he gets older um so you know and that's another thing and that's that's another reason why I want to stress to him why he probably shouldn't do substances like psychedelics because we do have our DMT meter is a little higher than than most because we do have that gene um and in drugs in general, I mean, for me, when I got into meditation, I could get to that level of where I got to when I was on shrooms, that, uh, you know, state of stillness and, you know, being in, an, in being higher, being a higher being, going to a higher level, I can do that now in a sober state of mind during meditation. Um, and I think a lot of the reason why I can do that is because of my genes for my mother and, you know, having that dial up a little higher than most. Um, so that's why I really don't like to partake in anything. And I've, I've honestly, um, I had a, I had a great relationship with marijuana for, for a long time because it, um, it wasn't ever a drug to me. It didn't ever feel like a drug to me. It made me a calmer, more relaxed, more patient person, more creative person, more intuitive person. But as I got older, it also made me a very paranoid person. Because let's remember, I keep saying this, you know, my DMT meter is higher. So it would, it would, it would be too much, you know, it would just be too much of an altered state of mind that I really couldn't control with where when I'm in a meditative state sober, I can control it. And if I'm getting too much or I'm getting too emotional or I'm getting too scared or I'm getting too, you know, over the top, I can stop it immediately. Um, so I'm in control of it more. Um, so yeah, I don't even know where to end this, <laughs> but I got to end this because we're almost at 50 minutes. Um, I don't know. I hope this helps. I, I don't even know how this would help. Just sharing my story is my whole point of doing this podcast. And I, like I always say, I want to be a hundred percent real with you guys. And I want to share my life, you know, maybe not everything. Cause you know, I do want to keep some things for me and my family. Um, but 
part of being real is being authentic and you know if I feel comfortable with sharing things especially if I feel like they're gonna help I definitely would do that so I hope you guys don't judge me for my past <laughs> um you know because like I said I don't I don't even do anything now I don't even drink anymore like I I had a martini, I had two martinis on my niece's 21st birthday, and I was like, why did I do that? I just did not feel real great, and I spent a lot of money on them, and it just, I just was like, I just don't like to drink. I just don't like having an altered state of mind anymore. I really don't. Um, I'm more into, like, naturally releasing all those chemicals that drugs do, you know, (laughs) that drugs do. Um... Speaking of that, I had last year, I did a webinar um, on how to naturally release all the happy chemicals that we have in the brain, Uh, serotonin, and um, my brain is like blanking on the other ones right now, serotonin and dopamine and all that great stuff. Um, and I want to do it again uh, sometime soon, maybe at the end of the year. So if you guys are into... Uh, doing that and me having a webinar to give you guys tips and tricks on how to release those happy chemicals, quote unquote, um, which is basically me doing a meditation with you and giving you some tips and tricks and pointers on how to naturally um, release uh, the endorphins and the dopamine and the serotonin and all the goodies. Um, and uh, learning more about the, the natural DMT in the brain and all that. I, I really want to get more into that um, into that stuff because it, it's, it's something that we don't utilize a lot. And we think we have to, you know, trip on acid to do these things or to, you know, take melatonin supplements. And we don't. We actually don't. We have it all in us. So... Let me know, guys, and I will stop rambling. If you stayed this whole episode, bless you. <laughs> um, I hope you enjoyed it, and um, happy birthday, Dad. I hope you're not disappointed in me for doing this episode <laughs> your birthday. Um, but I love you all, and uh, until next time, ciao.